right. Hey, listen, guys, uh, we're running a little late tonight. Uh, we've had some, uh, our guest had some technical difficulty, but we are back and he is in the backstage and he's ready to chat with us for a few minutes. And uh, I'm with my co-host, LaDonna Sherwood and Francis Larkin. Hello. Hey, hello. How you doing? How's everybody? Right. Well, well, we're starting a little late, but that's okay. We've got Randy Freshaw here to, tonight as our special guest. Uh, he will be visiting with us in about uh, 60 minutes, but we want to let you know that we've got some things going on. Um, this coming, yeah, we've got some, a lot of things going on. This coming Sunday, uh, we've got Dr. Richard uh, Price. Uh, he's he's going to be the historian and tell us all about the beginning of the parochet, the history of the parochet, and oh, also the, and also the hi the history of the, the beginning of Hebert High School. So he's going to be with us on Sunday at seven o'clock. Uh, and we've got some uh, who you have on Tuesday. Tuesday, um, I think Tuesday. It's open, huh? No, it's not. I, I text you. Uh, the, Hold on a minute. Yes. We, oh, we're going to have Chris Duio on Tuesday. Okay. Right, yep. right, right. And we're going to have uh, Thursday. You text me on Thursday. and We're going to have Robin Mouton. Robin Mouton. That's right. Okay. And then the next Sunday, we're going to have LaShawn Proctor. So, yeah. That's right. So, we've got a full schedule for March. And uh, believe it or not, we have the no, 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 notorious Mike Getz will be with us on the 28th. Oh, of, wow. uh, of of this month, so we've got a full slate going on. Okay, so guys, just hang in. We'll be right back. Give us about uh, thirty seconds. We'll have our special guest, Randy Fairshaw, uh, running for re-election uh, for the city council at large position. Knowledge is Power Podcast Live with your host, Tony Redford, and my co-host, LaDonna Sherwood and Francis Lawkins. Knowledge is Power Podcast Live starts now. You got it. Knowledge is Power Podcast Live is a platform to, to share important information by educating Southeast Texas African-American communities with valuable information on health, education, finance, politics, and business. We pride ourselves on keeping our hand on the pulse of this community and keeping you abreast of what is going on in and around the Golden Triangle. Also, Knowledge is Power Podcast Live is now on Facebook, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, Apple, iTunes, and on our new website, uh, www.com. Knowledge is Power Podcast dot live. Okay, great, good. Let's bring our guest, Mr. Randy Fairshaw. How are you? How are you, sir? I'm good. It's yeah, so good, good. to be with you, uh, Tony Francis and LaDonna tonight. And to those of you that are listening, uh, we are running late, but please know that that was my problem. I had some te technical difficulties on my end. I do appreciate Tony and his team being patient with me and waiting for me. I'm going to have to ask you, how did you get on? <laughs> you grace on? The grace of God. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Francis. Yes, sir. Mr. Philshaw, how are you tonight? I'm doing well. It's good to, uh, it's good to hear your voice and see oh, your, you your picture on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. You too. I'm super excited for you to be with us this evening. And I want you to go ahead and first tell the people, our viewers that are listening a little, little bit about yourself. Of course, we know that you hold a seat on the city council currently, but just tell us a little bit about yourself, if you will. Well, as you mentioned, I'm Randy Felshaw. I was born here in Beaumont, raised in this area. I've been in full-time ministry now for 40 years. I pastor One City Church here in Beaumont, which is the old cathedral in the Pines Christian Center. Many people in Beaumont remember Pastor Dabney 
coffee with Pastor Dabney early in the morning. Uh, we changed the name of the church here last year in 2020 to One City Church. I've been there now going on 15 years. Uh, I've been serving on council for two years now. I'm finishing up my first term and I'm running for re-election to my second term as city council member at large. Okay. Well, um, tell us a little bit about your seat currently. There, there, when you're talking about the governing body of the city council, there are currently two seats for at large. Am I correct on that? There is. Our council is set up with one mayor that represents the entire city, two at large positions that represent the entire city, and of course, four wards. Uh, at this time, because W.O. Pate is running for mayor, that creates an open seat. And so I'm running as the only incumbent, and there is an open seat. And so uh, uh, city council member at large does represent the entire city, and everyone within Beaumont has the opportunity to vote for them. And please remember this, that uh, you do get to vote four times. You get to vote once for the mayor, once for the ward you live in, and then there's two seats for at large, so you can cast two votes. And for many, many years, uh, citizens have been told to only vote three times. And so I know there's an argument. There are some candidates who will tell you when it comes to voting at large to only uh -huh. vote one time. Because if you vote once for me and then once for someone else, you cancel out the vote. Personally, I, I do not encourage that. I encourage the citizens to cast every vote that is due them. And that's four votes. Once for the mayor, once for the ward you live in, and then two for the uh, at-large council members. I encourage everybody to vote four times. Now, because I, I saw a post, so I really want to get some clarity on that now. You're saying that the one vote does not cancel out the other vote, that we do have two votes. That is true. So they are tallying all of the votes, right? Well, yes. I mean, I, I'm not going to argue the fact that if you vote for me and then you vote for someone else, that there's a debate there on does that help me or hurt me? And, and I'm not going to get into that debate. But the fact is, legally, you can vote four times. Okay. Once for the mayor, once for the ward you live in, and then you get to cast two votes for at large. And I personally think you should cast every vote that is, is due you. And so there's uh, there's a number of us running. There's what? There's me, AJ, James Eller, there's Elias, there's Brian Nevo, and then Qureshi. So there's six of us running. And out of those six people, you get to pick two. Okay. Okay. Thank, thank you for clearing that up. LaDonna, did you have a follow-up question to that? I do. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, the duties of a councilman? Because sometimes mm -hmm. we're, we don't know what the city council does and what is your job exactly? Well, there are different forms of city government. Ours is a city manager, council-led uh, city government. So that means that the city council comprised of the mayor, two at-large and four wards. Uh, the seven of us meet on a regular basis and we're the ones as a legislative body that will uh, set policy, that will set city ordinances that address the uh, budget. We only hire three people, the city manager, the city clerk and the city attorney. Then everyone else, all the department heads and all the employees fall underneath the city manager, the city clerk and the city attorney. And that group of people, there's 1,200 employees at City Hall, that group of people administrate the city on a day-to-day -day basis. So the council doesn't run the city. The council sets policy, uh, city ordinances, budget. We're big picture, we're, lit, we're a legislative body, and we empower the city manager and, and the staff to execute that vision that we set for the city. And we're there to represent the constituents of Beaumont, to listen to them, their needs and their concerns, and to take those needs and concerns to City Hall and then to empower City Hall to execute programs and policies that will address those challenges and address those needs. Yes, sir. And that's where, let me say, guys, that's where we get in trouble whenever uh, city council members start trying to insert themselves and the administration of the city, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from the city. 
listen, when I contact City Hall, I call the city manager and then he puts me in touch with the department head. But I do not go directly to that department head because when I do that, you're causing confusion. Uh Not a boss. I don't run the city. The city manager runs the city. Now, technically, I can call the city clerk and I can call the city attorney directly because we hire those three people. But normally I don't even do that. I call the city manager and I say, listen, I have a concern. Let's talk about it. And then I go through him. For me, that's protocol. And mm-hmm. that's how you keep uh, uh, you know, confusion from coming in. But when a city council member starts trying to give direction to employees, that's when we have a problem. And as far as I'm concerned, well, it's not as far as I'm concerned. It's a fact. When the city council member does that, they've crossed the line. And uh, they, need to, they need to back up because they're not uh, there to administrate on a daily basis and run the city. Well, can I ask you, um, can you give us, uh, I guess, an idea how at-large differs from the war council members? What does the at-large duties actually do? We know that what the wards do. What does at-large do exactly? Well, I, I think it's probably just the same, but just it encompasses the entire city. I have a responsibility to represent all the people of Beaumont and all four wards. And so when I make a decision and I cast a vote, I have to consider all the people of Beaumont and how that will impact them. I have to look at all all four wards. I have to look at the demographic of Beaumont. It's 48% black, 33% white, 14% Hispanic, and then five to 6% other. And I have to look at the entire city. I represent everybody, whether they're Republican, Democrat, religious, non-religious, atheist, agnostic, it doesn't matter. I represent all the people of Beaumont. And when I cast a vote, I have to to pause for a moment and ask the question, how will this impact the people of Beaumont? So it's it's more challenging. Uh, Right now I'm running for at large and I have to campaign in all four wards. Whereas the others, rather it's Taylor Neal with Ward 1 or Mike Getz and Mile Haynes and Ward 2 and the others, they only focus within that ward. But I have to look at the entire city. And it's more challenging to get elected. And it's, it takes more work. And I'll be honest with you, it takes a lot more money. And yeah. I hate to mention money, but we understand that it does take finances in, in order to get your message out there and to be able to get into office. Absolutely. I've got a question about equal and equity. Okay. Because oftentimes things in the city are distributed equally. Uh Mm -hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's equitable. Um, Mm -hmm. What is your, give me a little synopsis on where you stand on that. Well, you know, LaDonna, when I first came into office, uh, I went and sat down with the city manager. And I said, look, as a, as a city council member at large, I, I want to ask the question, how are we spending our money when it comes to road improvements? He said, well, council member, we try to take the money and we look at the city and we try to uh, disperse it across the city and impact all four wards. OK, I thought, well, you know, that's great. I mean, we're trying to be fair and equitable. But as I, I served on the council and I began to drive around the city, and sometimes I drive around the city just, just to look at the condition of people's lives, whether it's Pine Street, whether it's Hillbeg, whether it's the Avenues, Pear Orchard, South Park, wherever it may be. Sometimes I just drive around and I look at the, uh, the conditions in which people are living. And I come to realize that what we've been doing really is not fair because you can't be equitable until you start equal. And so really there has to be uh, a a disproportionate amount of money spent in the wards that are older and the street or the infrastructure is in disrepair because the streets uh, in the West End are not in the same shape as the streets, let's say in Pear Archer or the avenues are off of Pine Street. I went off of... uh, I went one day down, I was doing flood relief and uh, with Harvey and I went down off of Corley to, to we were helping a 
an elderly widow woman that was flooded. And if we didn't help her, she wasn't going to get back in there. So we went in there and we rebuilt her home completely. And I went around the corner and I, I drove in front of uh, Michael Cooper's church, which I had never seen before. And I called him up and I said, hey, Michael, your street is like a third world country. And I was embarrassed. As a city council member, I was embarrassed. And that's when I realized you can't be, you, you can't be equitable until you start equal. And so to answer your question, we've got to rethink our approach to the uh, streets of Beaumont. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, let me ask you now. I had not seen this happen in the um, in the city of Beaumont um, because we talked about uh, Ward. You talked about Ward Four and uh, Ward Three, who is it has the oldest uh, infrastructure. And uh, did I hear you say that that you tried to make sure that they get more funds to that area? No, I was saying when I first got on council and I sat down with the city manager, mm -hmm. I asked him, how do we decide the disbursement of monies when it comes to road repair? And he said, we tried to, uh, we tried to make sure that all the four awards are addressed, like $25 million on Concord and then uh, $35 million on Washington Boulevard. And then other things, the Dowling Road, which that's really a different story because mm -hmm. a chunk of that was federal money. Mm -hmm. But he was just talking about how that we tried to be fair and equitable across the board. And in the beginning, because of my ignorance, I thought, well, that's great. I mean, you're trying to be fair. But as I got into serving on council, I began to understand that because there are parts of our city that are older, mm -hmm. the streets are older. We have over 800 miles of roads here in Beaumont. That's like from Beaumont to El Paso. And so I began to realize that, you know, maybe we need to stop and realize that there are parts of our city because of their age, they've just been there longer and the streets are in disrepair, that we need to have more monies going into those areas than we do, let's say, in ward, maybe Ward 1 or Ward 2. Right. Because uh, they're not as old or as in disrepair as some of the other wards. And so I've had to rethink my approach to the disbursement of monies within the city of Beaumont. Now, since you rethink it, now, how are you going to implement it? Well, as we begin to uh, to raise new money, whether it's through borrowing money or whatever means it may come about by, I've got to, as a council member, speak up and make sure that I represent all the constituents of Beaumont because I represent everybody and not just one ward. I have to represent them. Tell Speak me, look, <laughs> tell me um, what has prepared you for this position? Tell us a little bit about what, what makes you feel like you're prepared for this job. You know, I've had 40 years of, uh, uh, of full-time ministry. Um, people have often asked me, how did you make the transition from being a pastor of a local church to being a city council member? And I've told them many times that it was a very easy transition for me. Mm -hmm. You have to understand that I'm not a politician, okay? I'm a leader in this community. What I do on city council I was actually doing in and through my church before I ever knew I'd be on city council. Uh, I was doing things such as uh, hurricane relief. I've been doing hurricane relief for years, going all the way back to 04. Uh, I didn't just start this. I've been doing this for many, many years. But here in Beaumont, going back to Hurricane uh, Ike and other storms, and then Harvey. With Harvey and Imelda alone, uh, we did over $4 million dollars of rebuilding and refurbishing homes here in this area to the tune of about 138 homes that we actually went in and rebuilt and, and restored those people and got them back in their homes with things like not in my city, uh, a new ministry called uh, One City Cares, addressing mm -hmm. things like violence in the streets, uh, sex trafficking, homelessness, uh, addressing poverty, uh, trying to work with BISD, all of these things I was doing before I ever knew I would be on city council. 
I'm doing it while I'm on city council and I'll be doing it after I get off of city council. It's not going to change with me. Uh, of course, we can talk about working with budgets. We can talk about working, having employees. We can talk about working with my council at my church, just like I have a council at city hall. We can talk about leading people, bringing people to a consensus and then leading them forward with a vision. We can talk about a lot of things, but let me just say this. People have to remember that this nation, if you go back and study its history, many of the men that were involved in the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, uh, the our founding fathers were ministers. There was a time when it was understood and expected for ministers to transition from the pulpit to the podium, just like uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. did. It was a natural transition because the pastors were the leaders in the community. They were the voice of the city. They were the conscience of the people and they helped people. They lifted people up and helped those that could not help themselves. And so to go from preacher to politician at one time in this nation was just expected and it was, it was accepted. 20% of the statutes within our national uh, uh, federal capital in Washington, D.C. are ministers. And we forgot that in this nation, that ministers at one time were heavily involved in politics. And personally, I think it's time to get back to that because I care about people, black, white, brown, male, female, Democrat, Republican, religious or non-religious. I care about people. And I have a history to prove that where I'm interested in bettering the lives of the people of Beaumont. I got a question since you said that, Pastor, and I'm glad. Uh, one, I meant to bring this up with another pastor the other night we had on, but given the current climate and the division and the uh, culture of what's going on, oftentimes as preachers, you know, the message is to kind of forgive and uh, move forward, uh, but when when there's division and there needs to be some rectifying or recompense and things of that nature for issues that are unacceptable, do you have a proposal for people that have been treated unjustly and unfairly, you know, particularly in the black and brown community um, and just division period? How, how do you propose we well combat some of these? You know, yeah, when I, when I, boy, that's a long, that could take a while. When I, when I first came to Cathedral in the Pines uh, back in uh, 06, uh, I stepped into a church that it, this is not an indictment against any former pastor or any person. But when I first stepped in that church, immediately I encountered a, a, a uh, a culture in Southeast Texas where I understood, it was my understanding that the black community did not feel welcomed at my church. And I began to discover that there was a history with my church. And so I began to preach from my pulpit that racism is a sin. And I began to call it out for what it is. And I began to deal with that issue. And I began to uh, challenge my church and I, and, and I, I hired the first African-American to ever work at that church on, on staff. I hired the first, uh, and, and actually she came in as an administrative assistant and now she's one of my pastors. And since then I've hired others. And so uh, I began to change the culture of my house uh, to significant loss where I lost a lot of people. And I had to rebuild my congregation because I dared to to step out and to uh, to address that issue. Uh, in in two thousand and uh, and sixteen, uh, July fourth of, of two thousand sixteen, that week when we had the shooting of uh, Sterling and Baton Rouge, Castile and St. Paul, and the ambush of the police officers in Dallas, that week. I stood up and dealt with a message about the churches taking personal responsibility for the blood that's in our streets, uh, rather because it's not white blood, black blood, blue blood, it's all red blood. We're one human race. We're not a black race, a white race, or a brown race, we're a human race. And I began to preach, and out of that came that statement, not in my city. And we began to 
to, to deal with racial reconciliation. And, and we, we've been a church of trying to be a pioneer and, and set the tone and challenge of the churches. This last, just two weeks ago, uh, we, for the first time, my church is 100 years old, but for the first time on a Sunday, we celebrated Black History Month. And that had never been done in my church before, and I did it. And I brought in a special speaker, a lady out of Dallas to Haviland Ford. Her and her husband are just a wonderful couple, and she did a phenomenal job. And I continue to challenge my church. I've started Hispanic churches. I've done multiple things with the black community, and I will continue to do that and try to set an example for this city. I appreciate that, Pastor. I hope I'm answering your question. You did. You have. Very thoroughly. And so um, I hear that that's one of the issues that are near and dear to you that you're kind of standing in the gap on. Is there any other issues here in Beaumont that you wish to address or find a reprieve for? That's loaded. Every candidate is going to tell you the same thing because it's good and right that we have to continue addressing our infrastructure. Uh, we have to continue addressing our public works. Everybody talks about sewer lines. We've already repaired 50% of the sewer lines in Beaumont, and we're trying to work on the other 50%. Uh, every every candidate is going to tell you the same thing, that we need to support the first responders, fire, police, and EMS. Every, uh, every candidate is going to tell you the same thing, that we need to... Uh, we need to improve city services and, and all of this stuff are things that I focus on and I, that's important to me. Uh, but there, there's three things that I'll mention tonight. And uh, number one, we, we have got to find a way to address the, uh, the divisiveness that's on our city council. Mm. You, you have to understand that debate is good and right. Mm -hmm. Debate is what causes two opposing forces to come together and find compromise and find the best solution for the citizens of this great nation. Right. But we should debate as statesmen and agree to disagree without becoming disagreeable. We right. have we have digressed into from debating as statesmen. Now we specialize in character assassination. Mm. Right. That's a tragedy in this nation. I preached in my church, and you can check it on my archives. You can find it. I preached in my church in February of 2016 in that first presidential campaign between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And I preached to my church that I was greatly concerned about the divisive spirit that was being unleashed on this nation. Mm. And Last four years, we've seen it. I've seen it. You've seen it. And we all were heartbroken on January the 6th as we watched that far, far right extreme group of people storm the capital of this great nation and kick down its doors and break in its windows. And it broke my heart as it broke many people's hearts, whether they're Republican or Democrat. And I have dealt with this issue here in Beaumont to the best of my ability. Much of what I have done has been behind the curtain in trying to address the divisiveness that creates a dysfunctional council that needs to learn diplomacy and learn how to work together. I have and I will continue to challenge this council to disagree without being disagreeable. The other issue that we've got to address is we've got to find a way to attract uh, a diversity of industry to this area so that we can keep the younger demographic. Beaumont's been stuck at 118,000 since 1960. As a pastor, I see it all the time. My kids, they graduate from high school, they go off to college, then they come back four years later and they say, Pastor, I'm leaving. I said, where are you going? They go, I'm going to Dallas, I'm going to Houston, I'm going to mm -hmm. San Francisco. I, I, I go, why? And they go, because I don't like the quality of life. Yeah. And Beaumont. So we've got to bring in a diversity of industry. If you don't want to work in the refinery, BISD, or healthcare, which are the three top three top employers of this area, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to get out of that, you, you don't have much to choose from. So we've got to bring in a diversity of industry through 
opportunity zone, tax abatements, tax incentives, and so forth. Uh, so we've got to we've got to do that. The other thing that I'm of course concerned about is trying to address the uh, racial uh, tension that's in our city. Uh, when I talk to white people, they tell me if you'll quit talking about it, it'll just go away, and that makes much sense as thinking that if you don't talk about the cancer that's in your body, somehow it's going to disappear. Uh, when I talk to the black community, they tell me, Pastor, it's there. And we appreciate you having the courage to stand up and, and address it. And so I have and will continue to try to address this issue within the city of Beaumont. We also need to talk, of course, uh, about, about the infrastructure and the public works and the city services and and how we should do everything with excellence. But I can assure everyone that's listening to this, I'm at City Hall a lot and I talk to these people and I can tell you that these people are good people and they're doing the best they can. All that stuff you're reading on social media, you need to understand that much of that is either half truth, partial truth or a flat out lie. And people will take things and twist it and put it on social media. And just because it's on Facebook doesn't make it true. Yes. You call your council member. You need to call council member at large or you need to call the mayor or go sit down with the city manager. You'd be shocked to find out the true facts of this city and how hard your city is working for you. But there's a lot of stuff that's being put out there that's just not true. You know, two years ago, uh, I can recall you spoke on um, diversity in the industry, uh, bringing that to our area. Now, you've been in office for two years now. How long you think it's going to take? <laughs> uh, what are you? What are your plans to bring uh, to help bring or promote diverse? Uh, uh, industry here in the area? Well, first of all, I, I will tell you that when I first started, Tony, when I first campaigned, you and I campaigned together, okay? Mm -hmm. You were running for at large. And when I first started campaigning and I won, of course, I went into City Hall as a newbie with all these grandiose dreams and, and ideals, okay? Mm -hmm. Great vision that I want to change the city. Right. And I went in and the first thing I encountered was how limited city really is. How do you get a company from San Antonio to relocate to the city of Beaumont? How do you do that? That's a challenge. And so sitting here today, I still hold the same vision that we've got to find a way to be attractive, okay? Attractive to these companies. And we do that, as I mentioned earlier, by offering to them like downtown area. We mm -hmm. did to the city manager. And I asked him after I got in office, can we look into declaring downtown area, applying for and declaring downtown Beaumont an opportunity zone? And he did that. We can uh, use tax incentives and tax abatements to attract companies here. One of the other problems we have, though, that I've encountered is that companies will say, I I'm interested, but yet your school district is a challenge for me. Now, I'm not trying to blame BISD. It, uh, you know, I, Dr. Allen and these teachers, they're doing the best they can. Okay, I get that. But we all understand that our school district has its challenges. And whether it's true or not, the perception across Texas is that BISD is a substandard school district. And so when these companies, when you talk to them, they'll say to you, how do I relocate my employees there when they tell me, I do not want to put my kids in your school district. And so that's a challenge. So we have got to change the narrative of Beaumont. And I, 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 I said that in the last campaign. I'll say it again in this campaign. We have got to find a way to change the narrative, to change the storyline of Beaumont. And that's one of the things that I believe council can do. And that's why in this election, we need more than just managers that can manage ideals and projects but we need leaders, leaders that can inspire people, leaders that can make people feel good about their city, leaders that can go to San Antonio and sit down with a company and say, come to Beaumont. Beaumont has a lot to offer. Move to Beaumont. 
There's opportunity there. There's labor force. There's empty buildings in downtown Beaumont that's just waiting for you to move in. That's an opportunity zone. There's a historical district where there's tax incentives and tax abatement. So we have got to get aggressive and, and, and going after these companies and trying to get them to consider Beaumont. Now, last year, 2020, COVID-19, there was nothing going to happen last year. Nothing. That last year was a washout. The year before that, we're dealing with Imelda. I personally have been fighting Harvey, Imelda, COVID-19, and it's been a challenge. Like I mentioned, I pulled in through Harvey 1,200 volunteers from across America and housed them at my church and, and, and raised over $4 million for flood relief through Harvey and Imelda. And uh, it's, it's been a tough few years. So the bulk of my administration on council has been dealing with Harvey, Imelda, uh, COVID-19, and behind the scene, the divisiveness that is on council. That's not an excuse. It's just a reality. Do you feel that the divisiveness that is um, presented at times on city council has caused um, a stumbling block, if you will? I think this council spends way too much time uh, with internal conflict. As oh, opposed hey, to I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop yeah. you right there. Come on. Now, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to ask you to start that all over again because I want to I want to make sure you know what you're saying. All right, now go ahead. Slowly, Pastor, slowly. <laughs> I had I had to say that, but listen, <laughs> you are correct. You are definitely correct, but I want to hear I'll, it again. I'll it sounds so good you're saying it. I'll say it this way. Okay. Right or wrong. I'm not one to get on social media and and we'll call it out people, mm -hmm. attack people, mm -hmm. or expose people, or expose what I'm doing behind the scene. Right. Some people say, Randy, you need to you need to blow your horn a little bit more. And that just goes against my my nature. But I can tell you the last two years. I have spent more time behind the curtain trying to promote unity, uh, trying to address the divisiveness, confronting individuals. Look, I'm a pastor. I've spent a lifetime confronting people in private, confronting people and challenging people, uh, appealing to their better angels within and, and, and believing in people and trying to get them to rise to their full potential. And so I have spent my, much of my time, too much of my time on city council dealing with conflict, personality conflict, divisiveness, uh, internal conflict. I've spent way too much time. And this council needs to take its energy and, and, and come together as a team, debate issues all day long. As statesmen, let's mm -hmm. debate issues. Let's agree to disagree without being disagreeable. And then let's find a compromise. And then let's pull the city together to a consensus and move them forward with a vision to better the lives of our people. But when we get up in all this silliness that we get caught up in, all this fighting, this internal conflict, uh, social media and attacking one another, these political sites that are attacking one another and trying to undermine each other. Let me tell you who suffers. You get on social media and if you're, if whoever you are that do this, does this on social media and you attack me, you go right ahead, take your best shot. But let me tell you who you're hurting. You're hurting the citizens of Beaumont. They're the ones that suffer because much of what you say is a half truth, a partial truth, or a flat out lie. And it's undermining our, our, our council, it's undermining our leadership, it's undermining our city. And everybody needs to realize what social media is. You know, one side of that coin, it can be very powerful to instruct people, uh, to teach people, to connect people. But on the other side, it's very destructive 
and it undermines good people and it tears people down and it's undermining our city. And the people that at the end of the day, the people that suffer and lose is the average citizens out there on the street. And I agree with you. If I don't agree with you on nothing else, I agree with you on that. <laughs> but, you know, let me let me let me let me go here with you. Uh, I'm going to dive deep here for a minute and we're going to come back for some more questions here. Uh, back of, of last year, we talked about uh, the city. It came up on the city agenda. Um, and I'm going to ask you about this. Why did you change your vote on the removal of the federal uh, statute? And, and do you regret it? Are you okay with it? Why did I change my vote on the Confederate statute? The removal of the Confederate statute. I, I never changed it. You did No, no, I always supported. You supported uh, that. I, I, at first, I approached the ideal of taking the statute and rewording it, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, changing it from a statue honoring a Confederate soldier to a statue recognizing uh, the sons of Texas that fought in the Civil War, both North and South, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and change the verbiage on the plaque that would just acknowledge a part of our history that we can't get away from, that our sons fought in the Civil War. There was, I think, 2,600 Texans that fought on the side of the North, okay? Uh, and just acknowledge the fact that this was a dark time in our history. And as far as I'm concerned, Texas fell on the wrong side of that issue, okay? But it was presented to me that that wasn't enough, that that would not address the issue. So I went to Audwin Samuel, he and I discussed it. He made the motion, I seconded it, to have the statue removed, uh, relocated to a, a place, I think, in Fort Worth. So I only voted one time. And I never changed my vote. Uh, well, you know, and that's the highest a debate among councilmen should be. And without the bickering and fighting devices that we have every Tuesday. Let me tell you how that came about. But it should show every Tuesday. Besides yeah. not getting ready to do the things we need to get productive in the city, we're bickering and fighting among each other. And I understand that um, uh, what you have to do to kind of get in between there and, 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 and try to work with them all to, to make to come to a common, common ground. But um, because you know, the, people, the people of the city are tired of it, and we're already divided, uh, you know, so, you know, we're tired of it. Absolutely. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I, I'm tired of the fighting. I'm tired of the uh, social media attacking each other and tearing each other down. Because, again, you, know, I, you do what you want to do. I don't read that. I don't very seldom do I ever read that stuff. I'm not going to get on there and, and play that silly game with these people. Uh, but what bothers me is that the average citizen of Beaumont is the one that loses because we're not spending our time and our energy. Uh, and we're not coming together as a team to get things done for the people of Beaumont. Well, answer this question. When you got one minute, I'm going to the comment board. Girls, ladies, or do you have anything you want to ask? Uh, no, he's doing a we good go? job. We, 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 by him being on council, we don't have to ask all the no, okay, great. Let me go to the comment board because he, I want to make. We just wanted to try to chat. I'm glad yeah. that we did it like this because yeah. it worked out better for us to kind of just talk about some things that we wanted to address. Right, right, right. So, uh, Pastor, I have a, a comment. We go to the comment board. You know, we're going to last half of this of our show, and you got one minute. That's a minute and a half to answer the question. Okay, so we won't be long. So I want to make sure we answer everyone's questions. Okay, yeah, all right. Uh, Kendall Perkins is asking, what is your stance or vision for the city transit system? Well, I, when you look at our city buses, sometimes you'll see two, three, four people on there. So I've asked the question, why can't we take our city buses and just buy something smaller like a people mover that would better accommodate uh, the citizens of Beaumont? That would make more sense. Uh, continue with the transit system but just reduce that vehicle down to something smaller, but we can't. The federal money that we get to, to buy those vehicles, they dictate that we buy those huge buses that a city our size, I don't think we need. So there's there's just nothing we can do. Okay, I'm um, go to another, uh, let's see here. Are there federal dollars available 
Uh, let's see here. Let me get it here. Are there federal dollars available for uh, the bleeded areas like the Ward 4s and the Ward 2s? And, I mean, I'm sorry, the Ward 3s and the Ward 4s. Yeah, we're constantly we're constantly looking for and applying for grant money, federal money to address issues within the city. I know right now they're they're working on some monies uh, to address some of the uh, drainage and sewer issues within the Pear Orchard area. So, yes, there is monies and the city is constantly trying to find these monies to bring into our city to address these issues. That's why I mentioned earlier that even the Dallin Road. Uh, much of that money was federal money. And, and it was much of that to my understanding, because that was before I got on council, that was dictated by the government as far as how we spend it, where we spend it and so forth. I, I, while we're on this topic, I just kind of want to bring up, give us a little theory of thought on the downtown area, trying to revitalize and bring that up to do something with it instead of just falling down. Do you have any opinions? Well, I have been and I continue to work on that issue. People have to remember that about 22 of the properties in downtown Beaumont are owned by one individual. Yes. And so we have to try to work with that person. Uh, number two, that the, the, the downtown area is, is going to succeed uh, out of a partnership between civic and private or, you know, uh, civic, the, the city and private industry. We've got to find a way to work together. All the city can actually do is encourage businesses to come down there because it's an opportunity. We declared it an opportunity zone, tax abatements, tax incentives, and try to work with them to come down into that area. That's all the city can do. Sometimes I do believe citizens believe that city hall has more power than what it does. We're limited on what we can do, but uh, we try to attract, we try to tempt and flirt with these businesses. But at the end of the day, we can't make businesses come down there. We're trying to we're trying to do River River uh, Riverside Park. You know that's going to be about a twenty four million dollar project. Oh, twenty seven million dollar project. Twenty seven million dollar project. Twenty four million FEMA and three million dollars in the city. And we're trying to get that project uh, going and finished so that we can improve the quality of life. I have worked with that individual, met with them that own twenty two properties. I've tried to work with that person and I will continue to try, trying hard to see our downtown area developed, but it's not easy. And I promise you, it will not happen in, in just in 12 months, two, 24 months, in my, in my next term. It's not going to happen. Citizens have to understand that I voted last year on things that will not manifest maybe for five years. It takes time with the government to get things done. We're flirting with, with federal money now, trying to get $90 million to build a new water plant out there off of a major drive. That's gonna take years to get that done. But that's what you do every day. You work to try to get things done. Terry Roy is asking, what is your stance on the Dallin Road extension? Well, <laughs> You know, my desire is to see Beaumont grow and expand. We've got to, we've got to, uh, to take advantage of what's happening out there with Ford Park, that area. They sold Ford Park. You're hearing that in the news right now. Right, right. Build a, a hotel, bring in uh, maybe restaurants. And, and so that's going to benefit all the people of Beaumont. People that live, uh, you know, it, it's going to, it's going to, Pack all four wards, okay? All people will drive out. I mean, I'm assuming everybody in all four wards drive out there to go to Tinseltown or to eat at Papa Do's. That's not just impacting ward two and four, but it's impacting the entire city. So I'm hoping that area will begin to grow. So do I do I support the Dallin Road extension? I do if it's done. Uh, if it's done in, in the right manner and if we can find a way to fund it. But ultimately, I believe that's going to have to be up to the citizens of Beaumont because I don't know how we can get it done without raising taxes. It's a three-leg project from, from uh, I-10 to Walden, Walden to Washington, and connected to Dallin. So you can't, you, you're not going to get that done. That's a $35 million estimated project. I don't know how you get that done without raising taxes. So perhaps the best thing we we to do is to put that for a vote 
before the citizens of Beaumont let them vote on it. Probably the best thing to do would start at I-10 and do that first leg, probably around 10 million from I-10 to Walden Road, hoping you'll bring in growth, new businesses that will impact the quality of life for Beaumont. But, now, I, but I understand not to cut you off, uh, that land was, was, uh, was gonna be a gift from the owners of that land. Part of it, part of it is, but to go in there, to go from I-10 to Walden Road, you're, to deal with the uh, the road, the the uh, the infrastructure, the the uh, the drainage, and all that's mm-hmm. come into play. Right. It's, it's I. It's it costs. It costs. It's, it's going to yeah. be ten million dollars. I'm sure. Right. It costs. Let's go with the faith. Faith is going to ask you about. We said we talked about federal money. Faith says, who applies for the federal money for Dallin? Back to that time and why that road versus another road. I, when we, that, when we yeah. talked about the uh, Dallin Road ex- uh, yeah, yeah. extension, the, 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 the feds. Dallin Road, when they re blacktopped it, you mean? Yes. I That was before my administration. That's before I got on council. I, I you know, I would be speaking out of ignorance and I, I really would hate to do that to misinformed citizens. That was before I got on council. I just know that it was said to me that was federal money, and it was my understanding that uh, there were some limitations, as with all federal money. There's limitations placed on us that we have to do certain things in a certain way at a certain time. And so for me to get into the details, I apologize, but that was before I was on council, and I just can't speak to it intelligently. I'm going to ask one more question from the comments box, and it's going to be from Irma Lynn Thomas, and she's asking, what is your stance on the dog park at Rogers Park? Well, again, I campaigned last time and I'll campaign this time and every other time that the citizens of Beaumont allow me to serve. And that is we have to constantly improve the quality of life for our citizens. I feel like right now is not the right time for the dog park because you're looking at a $100,000 ticket when we're coming out of a COVID-19 a year. And we had a we had a deficit within our budget, and and my uh, my encouragement to Councilman Getz when I sat down and and he he discussed this with me, I told him then that look a dog park if that's a way to improve the quality of life for our citizens, it's only a hundred thousand dollars. You got forty four million dollars in the uh, you know the general fund. I understand that's not a lot of money. But I, my word to him was, I really believe that now is not the time because of the COVID-19, because of the drop in sales tax, hot tax, and so forth. This is just not the time. We need to come out of the COVID-19 season, and then maybe this is something that we can address at a later date. Okay. Thank you so I don't much. Have a dog. And, and let me say that. I'm a dog lover. But at this time in my life, I can't have a dog. I'm just way too busy. I, I don't hate dogs. I love dogs. But uh, it's just for me, it was an issue of two things. Well, three things. Number one, following the process and the protocol to get it done. Number two, the timing of it. And number three, I, I think you have to pause and ask the other wards, uh, what can what can be, do you need a dog park? And you, do you need a dog park in your ward? There has to be, you have to look at it across the board and make sure, again, that all the people of Beaumont feel like they're being represented. Herbert has one more question. What is the plan for a recreational facility for our children? Mm, uh, can they go a little further with that? Uh, what are they referring to? Uh, maybe uh, 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 maybe she's saying the plan for a recreation uh, facility in the Ward 4 area. Uh, we're talking about the old YMCA building. Is that a reference? No, we're not talking about. She's one. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure she's she's stating this because of the uh, the the recreation facility out on Magnolia and Gulf, and maybe she's asking that plan. What are your plan for a recreation facility for the children on the other side of town? Something like the uh, old YMCA. I, I don't know of any discussion right now. I, I, I apologize that I seem to be, I, I'm not connecting to her question. Okay. She'll, she'll probably come back again. Girls, ladies, you'd like to ask Miranda one more thing before we, we 
No, I'm super excited. I think we got covered the things that we wanted to get covered. And I'm glad you came on. I'm happy that all of the technical difficulties got worked out because I was looking forward to it. I was like, he's not going to be able to come on. <laughs> so I'm glad you made it. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate what you guys are doing for our city. Uh, I, I do believe that one thing we've got to get better at is how we at City Hall communicate to the citizens. And uh, we've got to find a way to do that. And personally, I'm working on something now that I will roll out after May 1st if I'm reelected. I've been working on it. And uh, something that I'm, I've, I've actually, it's, it's going to cost thousands of dollars to do it. And I'm paying for it personally. Uh, the city's not paying for it. My church is not paying for it. Something that I'm paying for personally to try to create a platform where we at City Hall can communicate to our citizens and try to address a lot of the misinformation that's going out there on social media. I agree. But I appreciate Tony what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you too. And uh, thank you for accepting our invitation. We've been we've been with Randy Felshard, city councilman at large. He's the incumbent and he is running for re-election for the May 1st, 2021 election. Any final say, uh, Randy, before we, we want to share before we end our Why nightly... should they pick you, sweetheart? We need to know. <laughs> Anything I... Okay, let me say this, guys. Look, mm -hmm. uh, number one, the lady that's asking about the recreational facility for children, she can call me on my cell phone, 409-504-1730, 504-1730. That's my cell phone. You call me anytime. You can also go on my uh, Facebook page, Randy uh, for City Council. Uh, my website, again, Randy for City Council. Just type that in. It, it'll come up. Facebook website. Uh, my email is Randy, the number four, Randy for City Council at gmail.com. Communicate to me. I, I'm, I try to answer every email. I try to, I take all my phone calls. I want citizens to feel like they can get in touch with me. But let me say this to you guys. Listen, we're looking at some major changes on our city council this time. A new mayor, at least two new ward positions uh, because Robin, uh, well, two new seats. Because Robin is running for mayor, Ward 4 has got an empty seat. Because WL is running for mayor, there's one seat for at large that's open, okay? Ward one is the only one without an opponent, and then you got Ward two with an opponent. So we've got two seats plus a new mayor. We've got the potential for a lot of change on this council. The citizens of Beaumont need to pay attention, and the citizens of Beaumont need to come out and vote. You need to vote. You've got to vote this time. You've got to pay attention. I believe this time, uh, I believe this is probably the most critical election and recent history in Beaumont. Look at the people that are running across the board. I'm not talking about any one category or any one person. Look at all the candidates, including me. Look at all of them. Pay attention and vote and know that this time I think it's critical, as I said earlier, that we don't only have that we not only have managers that can manage ideals and projects but we need leaders that can inspire people, that can bring the council together, that can help to push things forward because we're coming out of a COVID-19 time. We're coming out of a controversial presidential election. Uh, we've had rioting in our streets across the nation that impacted us here in Beaumont. We didn't have rioting in our streets, but we still have protesting. And, and we're a city that is still experiencing racial tension and we have got to have leaders that can rally our city, change the attitude of our people. Uh, that's the wrong word. Give them hope and change the narrative of Beaumont. Because I'm tired of hearing people across Texas say that our city is not a good place to live. I'm tired of it. And I want people to realize how great Beaumont really is. Randy Freshard, everyone, uh, city councilor at large. We thank okay. you again, Randy. And we thank everyone for listening. And we'll be back on Sunday on Knowledge is Power Podcast Live. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for watching Knowledge is Power Podcast Live.
Be sure to like and subscribe to all Knowledge is Power social media pages. 